Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, at a single hour, to your life. If you watch news on any of the TV channels on any night of the week, you'll always get that little economic update. Um, it's people like, if, if you're watching on the, uh, on the ABC, this will be the man that you'll be looking at. And depending on what's happening in the world, the forecast will range anywhere from pretty much global economic meltdown to things being back to normal by Tuesday. So that seems to be the range that they work in. Sometimes they like to be a bit more sensational. Tom Petrovsky has also grown a beard over time, grown it and shaved it back. But um, if there's one part of the Bible that makes me squirm, then I've got to say it's the passage that we're looking at today, the passage that was just read out for us a little earlier. We hear Jesus say things like, invest in heaven, not in earth. Don't worry about your life. You can't serve both God and money, so pick which one you're going to serve and be serious about it. And like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, this is not so much about actions as the attitude that you have. What's going on up here? And particularly in here. That's what Jesus is more concerned about. So it doesn't matter how much or how little money you have, your attitude towards your money is what Jesus wants to talk about in this passage. Money itself is not really the issue. The problems are related to your attitude toward your money. See, I've seen Christians with modest incomes consumed by money. And I've met Christians with huge incomes who are godly and selfless in the way that they handle it. And you might think that's normal, wouldn't, isn't it, for those two? But I've also seen Christians who have little or nothing and are still extraordinarily generous with what they have. And I've seen wealthy people complain that they don't have enough. So Jesus' overriding question in this is, how are you handling what you have? Don't worry about everybody else. How are you handling what you have? How does how you spend your money 
Tell us about your, pri your highest priorities in life. Now Jesus starts by saying to his disciples that they need to figure out uh, that what their, their heart is the thing that needs to be fixed. Have a look at verse 19, chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You could also add to that and floods and fires can destroy and stock market crashes can impact significantly. And then he goes on to say this in verse number 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Treasure on earth or treasure in heaven? Now what does he mean by treasure in, how, treasure in heaven? Or what does he mean by treasure in, on earth? Well I think on earth one is probably a little easier for us to get our head around. It's things like the house, the car, the boat, the bank balance, the renovations, the superannuation. They're the things that will be here on earth that we'll tend to worry about. So often we store up those things because we think that they will ultimately provide us with happiness and fulfilment and satisfaction and contentment in life. Treasure on earth or treasure in heaven? Jump down to verse number 21. Jesus kind of sums it up here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what about you? Where would you say your treasure is? What is it that you value above all else? And what is it that people would be able to see reflected in your life because of that? I mean, is the most important thing to you in your life something that won't last for eternity? Money, home, clothes, car, jewellery? What would others say was your highest priority? Because that's probably going to tell you where your heart is as well. The people who you know well, what would they say your highest priority was in life? Jesus says that it should be storing up treasure in heaven. But what in the world does that mean? I mean, how do you do that? Where would I make that deposit? Do I need to get a special international check sent somewhere to do that? Well, you actually get a clue from last week's passage. Three times Jesus said this. Have a look in Matthew 6, verse number 4. The verse finishes, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Three times it says that in the passage. Jesus is talking about our relationship with God. See, our relationship with God is the only thing that you will take with you at the end of this life. You won't take anything else of your possessions with you. It will be your relationship with God that will, will, will take you into eternity. So that should be the thing that we invest in. But more about that later. Treasure on earth or treasure in heaven kind of seems like a black and white decision, doesn't it? And then Jesus hits us with another black and white decision. God or money? Which one are you going to choose? Which one are you going to serve? Which one are you going to be serious about? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and then despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Can't serve two masters. 
In the end, one of them will be the master, one of them will have the upper hand, one of them will have your loyalty, and the other one will be pushed into second place. Serving God or serving money? Kind of sounds obvious. I mean, you know what you're supposed to write. It's that going into that test, you know, choose A or B. Well, of course it's A. We know that. But it's often a little bit more subtle than that, isn't it, when it comes to actually doing it in life. You're choosing a job. Which is more important? The size of the salary package or the opportunities that it might give you to serve as a Christian? Do you choose the job with the best fringe benefits or the one that's going to help you to be a more godly follower of Jesus? Do you choose the job with the best career path and earning power or the one that will allow you the most time for your church and your family? See, the choices can often be subtle ones. And sadly, many Christians, well, they hardly even think about their working life in relation to their Christian life. They try to put work in one basket, their Christian life in another basket, and there the two shall meet. I've seen plenty of Christians who've made career and work choices that have ultimately hindered and undermined their Christian lives. And they did it for no other reason than the money. Jesus is right. You can't serve both God and money. I was thinking about it again this week, thinking about the people that I've known who at one point in their lives would have called themselves Christians but have ended up drifting away from Christianity. I can't think of anyone that I know of who's drifted away because of hardship or suffering in life but I can think of, sadly, I can think of dozens of people who've drifted away because life went really well. The bank account grew. They bought the nicer house. They got the better job and then didn't have time for their Christian lives. Moved to a new suburb and just never connected with a church there. Starting in verse 25, Jesus switches from talking about big picture things to talking about the most basic things in life. What you will eat, what you will drink and what you will wear. Pick it up there in verse number 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Now I'm guessing most of us would think, well, we don't worry about what we'll eat, or what we'll drink, or what we'll wear. We don't run after those things, do we? But the fact is... That's what people do run after and that's what you're encouraged to run after. Go for a wander down Darling Street after church. I, can, I couldn't think of more than five shops that weren't to do with what you eat or what you drink or what you wear. One of them was the Vodafone shop. Uh, there's a jeweller's in there, what you wear. Uh, I couldn't think of any shops up there that really do things outside of those three. What you eat, what you drink and what you wear. Got a couple of pictures up here. A few of the shops in Darling Street. Now, I, I attend, I've been to all of the above there, so I'm not criticising 
people for shopping there. But when you walk down Darling Street, you could get the impression that the only thing that people in Balmain are interested in is what you eat and what you drink and what you wear. See, when Jesus says that, when he says that in verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink and what shall we wear? He's not talking to poor people who have nothing. He's talking to us who already have plenty yet still spend time chasing after these things. And it's not just food and clothes, it's, sh it's shoes and handbags and sunglasses and watches and cars and houses. People will chase after those things because that's the measure of the world, the measure of how well you're doing. People chase after those things because they think that they will fulfil our lives and will show other people just how successful we are. I had a mate up on the Gold Coast when we lived up north and his boss owned one of these. And the boss said to him one day, do you want to take the car out and drive it around for a while one Saturday afternoon? And he thought, that'd be brilliant. So got his wife, went around to the boss's house, picked up the car about midday, drove it around for about four or five hours, came back, pulled into the driveway. The boss came out and said, what did you think? And he said, it was terrible. And the boss said, what do you mean it was terrible? And, and he said, I drove that car around for five hours and didn't see a single person that I knew. That's often the issue, isn't it? It's not just that that's what we want. We want others to see that that's what we've got because we think that is the measure of life. Jesus says, don't chase after that stuff. So let's cut to the chase. What's Jesus saying here? Well, it gets pretty easily summed up in verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says the guiding priority in our life ought to be that we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That means that the most valuable thing to us is being part of that kingdom and being part of God's family, our relationship with God, and wanting to see others come to know God. And because that's the most valuable thing to us, it'll be the thing we invest in. It will be the priority in our decision-making. And we will want others to be a part of that kingdom. If you're willing to seek first God's kingdom, then Jesus tells us, all that other stuff will fall into place. If your priority is living for God, then all the small stuff will sort itself out. Jesus is saying our guiding priority needs to be this. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Every decision we make should be guided in light of that. Buying a house, getting married, family giving you money away, superannuation, retirement, and dare I say, even what we eat and what we drink and what we wear. All those decisions should be made in light of that principle, seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Some of you may have seen these, these uh, pictures before and heard these stories before, but bear with me. This is Stephen and Rosalie Goldsmith, 
Stephen had a career as a maths teacher in rural New South Wales, and he decided to take an early retirement. Uh, but he wasn't going to be sitting around on the beach sipping pina coladas. That wasn't the plan. They took the early retirement because they connected up with the Presbyterian Inland Mission. And this, this is the saddest part of the story for me, that caravan became their home. Could you imagine what hell that would be, living in that caravan? But they did that because they travelled around in that western, western New South Wales area with the caravan on the back of their vehicle. They stopped to help out farmers. They ran Bible study groups. There were some churches that they could preach at. And they travelled around that area seeking to encourage people, seeking to build God's kingdom and enable others to know about God's righteousness. This is Art Daniel. I met Art uh, over at the Children's Hospital, Westmead Children's Hospital. He, he worked there for 30 years. He was the head geneticist at the hospital there. And incredibly, when, when you mentioned Art's name in the hospital, it was done with hushed tones. He was that well respected. He left because he wanted to continue supporting uh, an orphanage in Bangladesh and also making these things, which are hand-powered Bibles that you can hear read to you in your own language that are put out by a, a gospel recordings organisation to send around the world so that people can hear the Bible in their own language, even if there is no electricity. He did that because he wanted to see God's kingdom grow, to see more people come to know and to trust Jesus. And that's what we should do. Make God's kingdom and his righteousness the number one priority in our lives. That should be the thing that matters above all else. And Jesus says, if we allow that to happen, all the other stuff will fall into place.